if I could. Father, what a beautiful morning to um, get this um, news that uh, this baby baby boy born into this world and Father, um, both both uh, are are well and healthy. And Father, we just give you praise. Father, thank you for <clears throat> the fact that you do all things well. And Father, I just thank you that. We have this privileged opportunity this morning to come into your presence, to leave everything from the week behind, to um, treat this as a sanctuary, um, to um, look into your word, to uh, submit ourselves one to another, to see um, your glory through your church lifted up, um, to draw all to yourself. Father, I thank you for Peter and his um, letter to us. Father, I pray that you would help us understand um, just how important um, submission is, how important um, to walk in a, in a way that's humble and to um, acknowledge you as, as, our, um, as our King, as our Lord, um, and to um, just be in your, all about your kingdom, not our kingdoms, and to um, just watch what you are doing and that you, we have this privilege, this immense, immeasurable privilege um, to be a, um, participants in that endeavor. Father, we know that the times are short, and uh, Father, we see this clearly on, uh, played out on the, um, on the stage of the, um, today's newspapers and the Internet, Father, and we just um, can't help but... Um, Acknowledge that uh, you who began a good work in us will complete that work and that you will use these circumstances and situations to make us more like yourself. And Father, it is to that end that we ask this morning that you would take through the power of your Spirit and through your Word um, and that you would cause these words to be implanted on our souls in such a way that we, you would... You would um, convict us of sin, that you would convict us of um, areas of our lives that are just not where you want them to be, and that you would prepare us for that day that will be yet to come. Father, we ask that your, your hand would um, fuse and infect um, just uh, those who are here this morning that don't know you for any reason, Father. We ask for that your that your spirit would open their eyes, maybe for the first time, to see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask that um, you would accomplish that, and uh, that you would open their eyes, that many this day, not just here in this local body here, Father, but around the world as your word goes forward, would, would accept you, would, would, would be brought into your kingdom, would be adopted into your family, and, um, Father, we thank you for what you are doing throughout this world to further your kingdom. And we know that there will come a day that, that you will, we will see you and we will be like you. And, Father, um, you will um, bring into being um, all that you've promised. And, Father, it is that living hope that we live our day, day in and day out on this side of that, of, of that, uh, of that wall. And, and we look forward to the day, and we we crane our necks and and anticipate um, that day that we will be forever with you. There will be no more pain, and sin as we will 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 be gone forever, and we will um, live our lives for the the glory of the King of Kings. In Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> well, good. Um, as we get started today, um, if you weren't with us last week, we. Um, we uh, looked at a number of questions, and I'm, I want to go back. The, the questions are not on your handout. These are different questions for, for this week to kind of tee us up. Um, and I want to um, talk through these a little bit with you. So let's read First Peter 5, 1 through 5 together. Um, maybe somebody could read that out loud. I added verse 5 in here because that's the verse that Dave is going We are going to get to Dave, and, and he will be able to... Uh, bring us through that one too, because we 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 both feel this is kind of connected together in the text. So, would somebody read five one through five? The elders who are among you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. The elders which are among us and elders and the begotten of Christ, the church will be 
riches I constrain guilty lucre, neither is being God's over God's heritage, temple to the flightwright, the younger all of you besides Okay, good. So last time we got together, we talked about the word therefore at the beginning of this whole passage, and the whole concept there is that because, maybe submit instead of therefore, because, because so many in your body that he's writing to are in the midst of trials and and suffering, okay, that's kind of the therefore, because of that, um, I, I exhort you. Okay, so that's kind of the, the the connection to the words before this. And, yeah, do you have an NIV? Uh, it uh, it omits therefore, and uh, I, oh, really, it does. Yeah. It does, and, and I I'm bothered by that. I'm curious about it. <laughs> I'm curious about it, but in light of um, our, the passage that Michael, you know, last week, the omission of. Verse seven. I, I did a lot of studying over that passage during the week, and you know, feel like it needs to be there just based on what's in verse twenty-two of Acts. And so you kind of look at these, you know, why things were omitted and not. And that interpretation, like I, I was, I was not. not I didn't like my version <laughs> yeah. of the, because it omits therefore. And I really feel, as Marcus, your emphasis on that therefore is critical. It it's, it's points to the gravity of the. The connection. Yeah. How it how it ties yeah, together. Yeah. yeah. Just an observation. That, I did not know that. Huh. Uh, I wow. Bothered by my version. Interesting. Of the NIV yeah. as well. So, I think this is no, no slams on that, but that's <laughs> between us and the doesn't go any further because it's just on the internet. <laughs> Reader beware. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so. In, in the beginning of verse 2 uh, that, that you read, uh, what, what does it mean uh, for an elder to shepherd or to exercise oversight? Um, it says shepherd at the beginning and then it goes on and then um, some translations would say exercise oversight this way. Okay, So what does that mean, do you think, um, to exercise oversight? I, I think we talked a little bit about this last yeah, time. right? Pardon? We need a leader. Okay, need a leader, need leadership. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> is is if this is two elders here, um, is is and, and you know most of us are sheep. All of us are sheep um, in the body, right? But from the standpoint of that exercising oversight, that word oversight has, means to you know to um, uh, well. How, how did we say that last time? We said. Um, it specifically means to be an overseer, to have scope over, to look over. Um, it's the word we get bishop from, right? So, it, as as a as as a person or a sheep in the body, um, is it easier or hard to, to allow? I'll use the word allow. Allow that to happen with us. Is it natural today? Today, challenging. Really challenging, isn't it? And most of it comes from this idea of what is submission look like and mean, right? Because we've been taught that in all aspects of our lives, whether it's the marriage or you know this or that, that that you know we are our own. We you know no one's going to tell us what to do, or no one's going to be you know involved in my life at the financial level or or the you know council level necessarily. Yeah, everybody comes from the same. Everybody says, I have the right. Yeah. So nobody wants to be with. Right. Why do you think that is? I mean, does everybody agree with, with Marlene as far as kind of the, the way it seems to be here? Yeah? Yeah. Dave? I want to throw out for Dr. Uh, Vanessa. Why is it challenging to shepherd church today? So does... Good morning, Ann. I'm going to this I want to see Ann. I had read something that it just really resonated with me about sort of this uh, priesthood that we all have in Christ. So how is that? How is that taken? That I believe that our culture is that of sort of this individual, individuals. So let's just take it, and here's a thought about the shepherd. Why is it hard? So what, what has technology done? Okay? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an example of this. Is that 
let's take you let's say you take the what we're doing like what, what Michael does like Laurie is unable to let's say come listen to Michael's message great thing but what is almost easy is that you can you don't have to be at church anymore you don't have to be anywhere in fact I have access on any Sunday morning I can listen to my favorite pastors I can listen to John MacArthur I can listen to John Piper I can listen to Michael Fueling all in the same morning any messages that I want and so who is my shepherd who really is? Is John MacArthur my true shepherd? I'll submit no. John Piper? No. Michael Fueling? Yes. I just throw that out there for a discussion if anybody would look at that because I think that is what's challenging today. Therefore, it's like I hear from you, Michael Fueling. Ah, I'm going to check that out. I'm going to go listen to something. Now, I have lots of pastors. I don't have to listen to you, especially to you elders. And I think that's absolutely kind of the the running perspective on with many people in the church, right? And so, you know, I think it's it's naturally hard for sheep to to be shepherded, to want to be shepherded, um, and to I'll use the word allow oversight to be exercised in my life. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from possibly. Um, what exacerbates that is maybe to the next question, which is, you know, um, when I have a, when I allow that in my life, like maybe things don't go well, um, maybe it's not been been done biblically or rightly, and I'm I'm an, I'm ex, I have experienced you know pain because of that, you know I I might be not so ready to allow that to happen in the future possibly. Um, or, you know, it's been so challenging that I have just, like, checked out or gone someplace else or something, right, just to kind of see how that is. I mean, we have a, a couple in our community group who um, uh, was attending, um, you know, a church in, 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 uh, in the, um, the little town you go through, a speed trap, Wayne, right? And, uh, and, and they... They tried their best to, to be there and be an influence, but finally, you know, that, that church, you know, starts to stand for things that are not biblical <clears throat> at all. And they had to make a tough choice, you know, because they said they felt they had to leave at that time. So, um, how, I mean, let's come, a lot of us come to this, a lot of, a lot of us deal with the preposition that elders are perfect in the church. Um, Right or wrong, but many many of us probably look up to them and believe they should be if they're not, <laughs> um, and yet they probably aren't going to be. Right? Um, they're going to sin also. Um, so, how do you navigate this this issue number three as far as responding biblically? Let's use the word biblically um, when you may conclude that that exercising of oversight isn't um, being done well. Or, or done the way you'd like it to see it done, or any of the above. What are the ways to? Uh, what are the biblical ways to work with the, the situation? I think we have to see. I have to. See. That changes the perspective when you have a pastor out of line who does not have a responsibility. Yeah. Pray for them, to talk to them, to be involved, to sort if necessary. Very whatever. possibly, right? But yeah. it's a ministry. Yeah. It's your calling. Yeah. And all of us are members, quote unquote, members of one body, right? So there's a there's there's a, a, a should be a level of unity there, right? Correct. Correct. Exactly. Yes. 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 How might how might you go about um, exercising uh, your 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 biblical responsibility to address these things if they're if they're material in nature or you know, going okay going to them okay and go in love okay um am i going to uh, assume for a second that these things aren't um biblically wrong let's say that they're doing um maybe they're just you know uh, a difference of a of approach or something possibly um where do you how do you how, how do you w- work through that? 
kind of a situation because um, maybe you just don't like something they're doing, but you know what? It's not like wrong biblically, maybe right, but maybe it's not your what you would want to see done. I think you need to work it with yourself, not with what they're doing. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Any other thoughts? Well, I think in the aspects of subjection and submission, I think individuals have a plethora of example scriptures, God-ordained hierarchy, church level within of Christ and the husband. I agree with Betty saying you, that that has to be where you bind that because absent that perspective, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bearing to my my thoughts, yeah. my ways. <laughs> Yeah, and and if we believe somehow that again it's not a a biblically wrong situation, let's say, but if we believe that that the elders are put in place um, in our lives, I mean, if all authority has been put in place by by God in our life, which the scriptures say, um, <clears throat> sometimes I know for myself, I've just had to say like, okay, well maybe I maybe there's a direction that I can't see. I'm not aware of, and I'm going to trust not necessarily that person, but I'm going to trust God that he's in the process of this whole thing, and therefore, like David says, submit to that end, um, that that's the right thing to do, because they must have come to that conclusion somehow, some way, through prayer, through um, collective perspective. Um, Does it mean I can't give my thoughts or input on it? No. But it's back to that issue is, is are my perspectives going to win at the end of the day? Or am I going to just put that out there in open, open palm and, and let God just work through that area? Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. Yeah? It just kind of lays out in there. Yeah. And when you feel that bitterness start probably not approaching it correctly. Okay. Or if... Yeah. Your heart is in the right place. That's where it starts. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, regardless of of like perspective or um, feelings or um, direction or any of that, back to what you said earlier, is that we're called to one oneness, right? We're called to um, ensure that whatever, however, I believe in my heart as far as how things should go, that I'm going to let that go somehow because I want this relationship. That's more important than, at the end of the day than than my perspectives of how things should go. Um, now, if it's biblical, that's another issue, and we should we should understand that better and, and, and go f- go focus that through. Yeah. That action segue. Um, I'm I'm going. I got five through close to the end. Okay. Verse. Um, what I asked Mark, what I wanted to do was just a question we had last week laid out as far as. Why must shepherding take place? Why, are el- why you know, why elders should shepherd well? Transition. What he's teeing up for. My part of this is that I wanted to cover. Why do el- elders suffer? What we're getting at are some of those things, and um, there is so much scripture that points to a lot of the reason that um, we have experienced, even at, at a local level here. We've seen it in other churches. So, um, as we've talked about, that, that is so important before transition to leader does to the followers. It starts in chapter five about the, the leaders, the elders, and from then everyone else. He's talking to the leaders. Well, as I shared with Mark in the text yesterday, I said, Mark, really feel we can't move on to the followers until we. Fully <laughs> The leaders a little bit more, and I and I wanted that mission to go through again and spend a little bit more time on that and to try to poke specifically at what Mark is in looking at, so that we can at least look at it. it allows us to get at some of this. What is the what is that elder experiencing? Yeah, you're, we're, you're asking us how do we respond to yeah. these things, but I'd like us to be Flip in the it. shoes of the, of yeah. the elder. So we just talked through like. <clears throat> from uh, the body's perspective, um, uh, w- when this is happening, um, how, if you were an elder, how would you want to um, experience that kind of feedback? You said it well, Mary, in love. In love and um, consideration okay. and not blaming or okay. criticizing. Okay. Because that hurts. Okay. Other thoughts? 
I think a key one for me is to just acknowledge the relationship that does exist. You know, I have a I have a relationship as a brother in Christ. Okay, and I also have a relationship as a, a shepherd, you know, shepherd to the sheep. You know, and so both it's both and. Um, so that's it's important just to understand what's happening and and, and we looked at Hebrews thirteen uh, verse seven last time, and he says to um, let let your elders do this um, without uh, grief, right? Do it without grief. And so, how might an elder um, experience grief in this kind of a context? Do you think what might cause them grief? Dissension. Okay, dissension for sure. Dissension amongst the body, or tongue, dissension with them, maybe. Okay, or you said tongue tongue wagging, like you know, talking to lots of people as opposed to you know, this is just an issue with us, you know, directly. Okay, other thoughts. Got to be hard to um, you know, fold at the congregation. Go back and have to reword it. Try that again. Yeah. Just oh, God's saying something in my body. You got to be hard to. Absolutely. Other John, greater joy. Mm. Have. Is talking the truth. So when what grieves the elder? Mm-hmm. So so if there's dissension and if they're not walking in joy, let's let's just leave. Let's just put it like that. I think then <clears throat> um, most shepherds, if they're shepherds, you know, have a, a weight, a heavy weight in their heart. I'll tell you, you know, I mean, me personally, I'm I'm not an elder, but I am a shepherd, and for um, for me, like. When I have people in the body who aren't experiencing um, abundant life and joy in their in Christ, that's a very heavy weight. I, I, all the time I have it, all the time. And you know, my my desires want to see that made best, made new again. You know, um, somehow, some way. <coughs> um, so I agree with you. Um, any other thoughts on that? Then um, so. Uh, why might exercising oversight be especially needed in times of suffering and persecution, do we think? I mean, let's take it to the context, right? We need each other, right. We need each other, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that it's done well in those times actually assists the body to be everything they can be, right? Because um, it, 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 in, in times that are good, you have people who are, I'll call it, in do loops, you know, because they're just they're experiencing experiential death all the time. It's not life. It's not it's not joy. It's not peace. It's not uh, rest. It's not contentment. It's they're experiencing something completely different than that. And so, in times that are good, that happens. Can you only imagine how much when the rug is pulled out from underneath you, how that is just like exploded? And I'll suggest yes. That's exactly what it is, because their whole lives have been, you know, been focused on thinking that this is going to bring them happiness or joy, right? Um, and all of a sudden, the, the rug's pulled out from underneath them. And that happens in suffering and persecution. That's when pain comes, and that's why it sifts our souls. Pain, suffering, and persecution sifts our souls as it pertains to what matters most. And when we come to grips face-to-face... The fact that I've been living my life for something that's that's, that's different than what uh, pleases God at any given time, then all of a sudden all that stuff just like is exacerbated in my life. Does that make sense? And and that's why he's saying like more than any other time that ever existed, shepherd elders shepherd well because it's going to be needed great, more, more than any other time that there is. So this last one here, he says, um, he flips from uh, from elders and shepherds in verse five, and he goes to the body. He says, the rest of the body, you clothe yourselves with humility. In verse five, I think this is something that David's going to David's going to get get to when he gets to his piece here. Um, but I wanted to tee it up to say that there's the connection here. You guys do this well, but oh by the way, you know, th- there's a there's a command here for all of us. And what does that mean as we in- interact with with our shepherds? Make sense? Okay. So just really quickly, I'm not. Most of you were here last week, uh, I'll, uh, or listened to it on the on the um, on the internet. So I'm going to jump jump through our time together, 
and just make a couple of quick points and then we'll get into our study, okay? So, the last few weeks and today is meant from a learning objective for us to understand that God expects His shepherds to be examples. And as a result, um, during suffering, be reminded and encouraged that everything counts for eternity. So in verse 4 is going to be the motivational aspect of why it's so important to shepherds. It's that they will, quote, receive the unfailing crown of glory. And so we're going to talk about what that means also. So we said we're going to cover the exhortation of el- to elders, who should be shepherded, how much shepherding be done, take place, and why shepherds, why elders should shepherd well. So <clears throat> last week we got down to the very beginning of how must shepherding take place, exercising oversight is where we left off last time. So we're going to continue here uh, today. Um, as we talked about the exhortation to elders, we said, um, we, we made the connection on therefore that we talked about just a second ago. We also said that, um, that, that uh, the spiritual oversight has lots of dimensions to it, or shepherding well has lots of dimensions to it, but, but it's, but, and it's for elders, but, but it, the, the key area is spiritual, spiritual involvement in people's lives. And, and we said that in times of pain and suffering, that, that it manifests itself in lots of different areas in our life, physio- physiologically, emotionally, um, lots of different dimensions. But yet, if you keep asking enough questions, most of the time it comes back to spiritual. 99% of the time it will end up being a spiritual root cause of some kind. Lots of times because of what I think about who God is in my life. So... Just think about that as you go through that thought process. He says, I exhort you, means to come alongside. We said that's the word used by the Holy Spirit. to come. He's, he's the paraclete. He's the one who will come alongside you. John 17, he says, like, I will send my helper who will, who will, who will be with you. Um, and he will be, quote, in you, right? Um, and understanding the words we said, elders, bishops, um, uh, overseers, and pastors, all are talking about the same people. Um, it's just a different a role that they're playing. Um, elder is both the office and, 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 a, and a description of, of, of the person's spiritual maturity. Uh, bishop or overseer speaks about more the leading, uh, leading and guarding and protecting role. And pastor more the caring, the feeding, um, and the teaching role. Uh, Peter uses the plural of elders to affirm that the office was to be um, a, a, a plurality of men. And uh, um, and that they would that plurality actually helps one another care for the body. Um, different gifts from each of the men have have the ability to kind of minister to different places in the body, um, protect against error, um, uh, keep this unhealthy balance, uh, imbalance from taking place. Like you know the the bull, the the bully pulpit about this topic, you know, comes up all the time versus like speaking the whole counsel of God um, to to one, and ensures continuity in case a dominant um, elder is to leave, and therefore, you know, you, you haven't built up the body to be able to um, function correctly. Uh, Peter's credentials, he says very clearly in verse one, I, uh, because of these three things, I exhort you. First and foremost, I'm a fellow elder. Second, um, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And we saw that that really happened um, because um, Peter was probably there um, and watched that. And then number three, that he says that um, I'm, a, uh, I'm a partaker with you of the glory that will be yet to be revealed. And, and so he saw that glory, a picture of that glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, 9,000 feet high, Mount Hermon. And he saw that, that he actually witnessed that um, there. Okay, and he says uh, elders have the most serious and delegated stewardship. Um, it's not their flock; it's it's God's flock, um, and that He came to redeem His church. Um, he said here that um, uh, the church has immense value because we find out in Acts twenty twenty eight that uh, the Holy Spirit um, uh, uh, that Jesus purchased this flock with His own blood. Um, and so that really speaks of this measurable value. Do, do you personally kind of, when you come to church every day and as you think about those in the body, do, do you have that perspective that like, I, I'm engaged and involved in the most important thing that God has on planet Earth? I mean, do, do, does that way go, the people that are part of it, these are, 
you're people who have been purchased with Christ's blood, just like I have, and therefore they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, there's no greater bond of fellowship that should be taking place than there. I, I do. I absolutely do. And this, like I said to you last time, this has transformed my perspective of value in my life um, for time I have or anything else, you know, to be able to be involved in God's kingdom that way. Um, and last time we looked at this word overseer, episcopeo, um, and uh, we talked a little bit about what that means. So with that, I'm going to jump to the first part here, is how must shepherding take place? How must shepherding take place? So he begins with um, the beginning of, uh, of verse 2 there. He says, to exercise oversight, what? Not under compulsion. Not under compulsion. Not under compulsion. thought here is that a person would, not because they have to, but because they what? Want to. Okay? Really important thing. Not because they have to, but because they want to. And so we get, he says, not under compulsion, but what? Voluntarily. Voluntarily. So elders, over to the right, the observations is, elders must be diligent. Elders must be diligent rather than lazy. Diligent rather than lazy. Turn with me to Romans 12, verse 8. Romans 12, verse 8. How, how might elders shepherd well? Key for, the first one that I want to look at is must be diligent rather than lazy. Romans 12.8. Anybody got it? So this idea of he who leads, lead with diligence. Um, look at verse 11. Not lagging behind in diligence. Okay, same thing. This word, what this means is like if God unveils to you a problem or a situation or something that's out of sorts, like don't just put that on the back burner. Like, like treat it as most important the way God sees it and, and lean into helping or working with that situation as opposed to leaning away from it and, and thinking that somehow somebody else will resolve this. And this could be as much as like uh, ministering to people in, in, in times of tough, tough times, or it could be that you know, relationships aren't like what they need to be, and therefore we need to kind of work with that and make it better. Um, it, it could be either of those two. Okay, so be diligent rather than lazy. He says here that that uh, be uh, not lagging behind in diligence, or if you would lead with diligence. So do do it that way, if you would. Um, he's, observations here also is that it should be motivated by the heart rather than coerced or forced to be faithful. So the person's motivated from the heart because they want to, not because they're coerced um, uh, to be faithful. Um, Passionate and, and privileged rather than indifferent. Passionate and privileged rather than being indifferent. Turn with me to Romans 1, 14 through 16. Romans 1, 14 through 16. Anybody? So if you were to describe Paul's attitude about the gospel here, what would it be? Is he... Is, is he like, you know, oh, I got, I gotta, I gotta speak of that again. Eager, very eager. He's eager to do it. Why? Yeah, to save souls, to transform lives. Like, there's no more important thing, right? And, and you go to Colossians. He says, like, I, I mean, this is my single. I'm single-minded in this in, in this endeavor. That's my. That's the thing I'm single-minded about. Um, so, so you, a person is not under compulsion if they are passionate about something, and not just passionate about something, but like most passionate about something. That's not like okay, I have to do this. Um, uh, so, uh, really important point there. So he's passionate and, pri- and privileged rather than indifferent. They see their their role as a as a as a leader or pastor or shepherd as one that really matters for the kingdom of God. It's not mattering. It's not an issue of mattering for them, it's mattering for the kingdom. Um, okay? And then last one I had here is internally motivated by the love for by love for Jesus 
and souls versus external pressure. Internally motivated by love for Jesus and souls versus external pressure. Um, let's take a look at um, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15. So, will we read that? For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and died for all, that those who live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to that. Now we know Him thus no longer. Okay. So, so what should compel us on in our life? What should con- control our, our whole, all of our decision making? What, what is it that should um, create passion in our souls? What Christ did for me. The love of Christ. The love of God that, that goes beyond all measure, right? So, as we think about what he's done for me, the, the, the whole point is like when I conclude some things there, I have to conclude that I no longer live for myself. I need to live for God. And therefore, um, I need to extend myself voluntarily to that end. Um, I really like... Oh. Pressured to... <laughs> Amen. This word, I, I did a word study on it, and um, some of the things that came out of that are this. Um, the love of Christ seizes us. Seizes us. The love of Christ urges us on. It's like an outside-in thing. The love of Christ holds us together. The love of Christ motivates us. The love of Christ overwhelms us. And this is the one I like the most. The love of Christ glues us to the stuff of eternity and that which holds our allegiances. The love of Christ glues us to the stuff of eternity and that which holds, secures, holds our allegiances in this life. Amen. Um, He says, uh, not under compulsion, voluntarily, according to the will of God. What does that bring to the party? What, what, do you, what, is that, what does he mean by according to the will of God, do you think? Okay. Not everybody's an elder. God's will that, that the elders suffer. Okay. Out of their yeah. Very much so. Can somebody read verse 22 from the chapter 4? <laughs> 21? <laughs> or wait a minute. Is it? I'm sorry. 19. <laughs> 19. Get you going there. And so that, according to the will of God, is the way in which he, he now says in, in, in chapter 5, verse 2, elders do it this way. So, what's the significance then of tying those together when he says, according to the will of God, with verse 19? It's not going to be easy. Still, God's got a different picture there. Amen. It's not going to be easy. And, in, and his point is like in the, in the face of what you are already experiencing, trials and tribulations and suffering, okay, which, oh, by the way, is the will of God in your life, right? Go back to chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, right? Uh, where he says trials at, uh, if needed, right? So he says in the midst of that, according to the will of God, you exercise, you, you exercise uh, authority, in a way that is according to the will of God for the need of the moment, in the midst of, at this time. Um, 4 verse 19, we just looked at that there. So, another way he says is not for sordid gain. Not for sordid gain. Um, This word sordid um, speaks of shameful acquisition. Shameful acquisition. Um, He uses it in other passages to talk about uh, false prophets and how they uh, uh, get their money, that w- what they're out for, what they're in, in it for. And you see this in today's church, right? Uh, you know, you can tell who are the shepherds and you can tell who are the wolves you know, in leadership because they are not out for uh, serving, and, uh, serving the body and doing what it takes to shepherd well. Um, you can almost see them from a mile away. 
Um, sometimes it's cloaked. Sometimes the wolf, the sheep's clothing are on. Okay, but you, I always say, like, all things become evident over time. All things become evident over time. Um, so, not for sordid gain. Um, uh, 2 Peter 2, verse 3, just turn a couple over. He says, talks about these false teachers and prophets. He says, and in their greed... They will exploit you with false words. So their judgment from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. So he's saying that these, these, sheep, these wolves in sheep clothing, these leaders, these false teachers, these false prophets, he says, the core of within them is coming from why they do what they do is because of greed. In the, with this particular point. It's because of greed. That they want to, I love that word, exploit you. I don't like being exploited. I like being loved. I like being really shepherded. I like being confronted with truth. But I don't want to be exploited. No, she- no, no, sh- no sheep does. Um, but he says here, um, but do it with eagerness. Eagerness has the character quality of desire or enthusiasm. Desire or enthusiasm. It's, it's, it's a... It's it's a character quality of the voluntarily before this. Um, it, it's it's um, it's do it in a way that has this character quality of, of really 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 wanting to, <laughs> um, enthusiastically wanting to, so to speak. Um, when, when we look at Second uh, Corinthians twelve verse fifteen, Second Corinthians twelve verse fifteen. I call this verse the shepherd's heart. Um, somebody want to read that? So he says, I will most gladly, enthusiastically, be expended, spend and be expended for your souls. I just love that. Isn't that great? Spend and be expended for your souls. Amen. Yeah. Again, so Michael talked about how preparing for the next week. Pastor knows what that what that is, experiences that, and, and uh, it's something that I think as from the sheep activists is that we recognize that very special quality because we desire for that. God honors that, I think, in a, in a way. And it goes the opposite of the, you know, it speaks to your diligence yeah. thing about, like what he talked about is, is that he doesn't put it off until Friday. Okay. Say, oh, i got to put together a sermon because I, I think that what that says is that if, uh, the student of the word, it's not an easy thing. It, it, it's very time, yes. time, time consuming. Yes. And a lot of that is motivated by you just keep digging and digging yeah. and digging. And uh, that, to me, is a very special quality there. I just highlight like that. Uh, just Amen. Like what Michael was saying. Amen. And, and it's, it's a quality that... Um, is eager to see God work in lives. That's the issue. It's it's a it's a quality that understands the the role that person's playing in people's lives through the Word of God, and says, "I want to really do this well, and I want to listen well to God, because then I has something to say to 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 to, to our body about this issue." So I I really appreciate that that uh, that feedback there. Um, and he says, "Not as lording it over." Not as lording it over. Of the three things here, I think the first and the third, the second's kind of easy to get a handle on and see. But sometimes, number one and number three here are not as easy to see. They come out more in certain situations, if you would, um, with a person. So not as lording it over. I said lording here means to sinfully dominate or domineer over people and circumstances. It's an uh, an autocratic approach. Um, it, it's demagoguery. <laughs> um, can anybody think of an example of that? Lording it over? Uh, I, I actually call this like abusive power. It's like abusive power. Like it's power not for the purpose of serving, not for the purpose of, of, uh, of serving one another. It's, it's power for the purpose of power. Um, makes sense. Yeah. 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 I think it's a really good ex- explanation of that. Yeah. Really, very much. Um, and uh, 
He says, instead of lording it over, I want you to do what? I want you to prove to be examples to the flock. Prove to be examples to the flock. Examples in what? Humility. Servitude. Walking with the Lord. Intimacy with God. Passionate about Christ. The Gospel. I mean, examples for others to follow. You know, in, in, in 1 Peter 2, 28, I think it was, he, he, he says, you know, Christ is our example, right? In suffering, right? And he says, now you be a, 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 an example for those there. Um, and he, says, he goes on to say, to those allotted to your charge. This idea of allotted is that which is given to another's care. And the point here is that the giver here is the Lord himself. Um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Um, we'll get a sense here of just how, how important um, th- uh, the body is to Christ. Um, he talks in verse, chapter 18, verse 1. He says, This time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so he, that's the problem. That's the problem statement, <laughs> right? It's the, like, like, where did that come from? Oh, your heart. Oh, I get it. <laughs> okay, and then he goes on and he, he calls a child to himself and had them stood his face. He says, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, um, or repent and become like children, or like a toddler here, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of, of heaven. Whoever receives one child in my name receives me. Because any one of these little ones believe me to stumble, it would be better for him a heavy millstone to be hung around his neck and they would be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of his stomach bugs. Woe because of these things. So he's like taking this really seriously, right? And, and he goes on and says, um, verse 10, see, see that you do not despise one of these little ones for... Uh, for um, For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. So this idea of of preservation of the sheep, of of loving the sheep, of caring for the sheep, not using the sheep or abusing the sheep is the very sense of what he's talking about, that it should be shepherds in the midst of trials and persecution. They've been allied to to their charge. I mean, he, he says, you are more accountable than anybody else, because you have been allotted sheep to your to your care, and so there's this element of like incredible uh, responsibility and accountability um, that that he is bringing out. He'll bring out now in verse four um, as we go to that one. Okay, any thoughts or final comments? Okay, so let's keep going. So why should shepherds sh- shepherd well? What's the motivation here? He says, when the chief shepherd appears, you shall receive the unfading crown of glory. This, this, this phrase, chief, um, chief shepherd, um, it is amazing. It, it just like wells up in my soul from a standpoint of how beautiful that, that set, the, those words are. Um, but the key thing in the bridge from what we just looked at is to how to shepherd well, to why she, uh, she, elders should shepherd well, is is this is this linkage from the standpoint of the fact that he is the chief shepherd and elders are accountable to the chief shepherd. That's why he's called the chief shepherd. So they are under shepherds to the great shepherd. That's the key thing. They aren't. It's not their own flock. It's his flock been allotted to their charge for the well-being and well-keeping of shepherding well. It's not their own flock, right? And so, it's a beautiful title for the Savior. Um, the word shepherd, image, the shepherding imagery uh, we get uh, in Zechariah, and we also get in Psalms 23.1, right? The Lord is my shepherd, right? And so, we see this throughout the Old Testament. Um, he, he's also called the good shepherd in John 10. Um, and he's also called the great shepherd in, he, in Hebrews 13. So, three different designations. Chief shepherd, um, Good shepherd and great shepherd. Turn with me to um, Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Would somebody read 20 and 21? The God of peace who put up our Lord Jesus from great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting... Amen. Amen. I don't know what to add to that. <laughs> That's pretty powerful. Um, so, he is, he is the great shepherd. 
And he's also called the shepherd and guardian of our souls. 1 Peter 2.25 says, um, we looked at this when we were there before, for you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Shepherd and guardian of your souls. This word appears, he says, when the chief, chief shepherd appears, means to make manifest or to make clear, or I'll, I'll say to reveal. Uh, when he's revealed... And this refers to Christ's second coming. He says what? That you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The unfading crown of glory. Um, This is what shepherds will receive. When? At the second coming of Christ. When we see Him. Okay? And when we think about this, like this word crown in the the Greco-Roman world really spoke of um, like the victor's crown. It, it, was, it was a victor's crown that was made of um, plant materials. Um, and those plant materials w- would um, fade away or ru- uh, um, die quickly. So it, it looked good on the day, but over time it just kind of died or went away, right? Um, unless you somehow preserved it. And so it wasn't, quote, an unfading cra- uh, crown of glory. It was a fading crown of glory, right? And, and so Peter says... An elder or a shepherd's crown will be unfading or never fade and and be eternally of glory. And so I really like this is that it's really not that they'll receive, quote, the unfading crown of glory, but they'll receive the unfading crown that is glory. That changes how I look at that, doesn't it? That is glory. So glory literally will be. Their crown. <laughs> That's how to how to think about it, um, and that makes lots of sense when when he's talking about this in in light of having seen the transfiguration, right? So somehow this is this is uh, uh, it is unfading. It'll never fade away. Uh, we see in James one twelve uh, another time he says um, the crown that is life. So he says um, if I read that really quickly, he says. Uh, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord Lord has promised to those who love him. So it's not a crown of life, like a a crown, like, you know, um, that says life on it. You know, you put it on here, and then you put the next one on, the next. It's it's that life is the crown. (laughs) Um, Same thing here with crown that is righteousness. Crown that is righteousness in 2 Timothy 4.8. And also... The crown that is rejoicing. Crown that is rejoicing. I want to turn to this one. First Thessalonians two nineteen. First Thessalonians two nineteen. If somebody's got that, if you could read that out loud. Let's do nineteen and twenty, if you would. Or do eighteen through twenty. So let's just pause there for one second. What is he saying? He says, you are our joy. You are our crown. You are our glory. So help me understand how when he's talking to leaders, what is he saying here? What's he saying about the people they shepherd that have been allotted to their charge? And and Dave, Dave... Said earlier, you know, in uh, in 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 uh, in Third uh, John four, right? That um, you know, I have no greater joy than this than to see my children walking in the faith. So, how does that tie to this verse? That should be the joy. Yeah, experiencing life. People are um, developing, becoming more like Christ, um, taking on ministry. Serving well, ministering to other people, growing in quality, growing in character. Um, share an analogy. We had a had a coworker. Her daughter was in an international uh, competition. USA jacket on, you know, and she received uh, got to go onto the award stand. As this coworker, she we gave her a chat about it was like there was no greater joy than to her to be able to talk about to talk about her daughter on that award stand receiving 
this medal around her neck in front of thousands and thousands. That's the picture. The elder is like the appearance. It's just you know, like, yeah. Well pleased is the word I use. Well pleased. <laughs> that, that's mine. Exactly. That's one of mine. I was entrusted to that one right there. Amen, amen. That's this picture. Amen, amen. Amen. There's no greater joy. No greater joy. And you see this in your own children too, right? Um, so last but not least, this eternal glory is enough for this, this, this glory that is eternal, that is our crown for a shepherd, is enough okay, to, to desire to serve faithfully. And I'll suggest it will be in proportion to our faithful service. One's faithful service. It will be in a proportion to our faithful service. Well done. Well done. Imagine just tasting that from Christ. Well done. Well done. Just as we close, um, as you think about um, this study of shepherds and trials and, and suffering and serving well in the midst of um, and how to do it and why to do it and who to do it with and the motivation that Shepherds should have um, observations, personal applications, possibly. Thoughts in closing. What do we do with this? We pray for them, we submit with them, with with them, okay? Be in a relationship with God with them, yeah. Other thoughts? Thankful for them. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Thankful for them. Pray for them, yeah. I'll tell you one just small kind of shoes on the other foot, right? Um, one small thing that that you have no idea how it impacts them. Um, the month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, just take it, take the time. Just this is, an, this is a this is your this is your application for the week, right? Um, just take the time to pull. Um, you know the elders aside one one by one, and just tell them thank you, thank you for doing what you do, thank you for um, shepherding well. I'm praying for you um, for no other reason than just appreciate them. Um, I'd encourage you to that end. Any other thoughts or comments? You have no idea what that means to them. No idea. It's 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 big stuff. Okay, makes sense. Um, can you? Uh, would somebody like to, uh, Dave? Would you close this prayer? Sure. Father God, you are so great. So thankful, Jesus Christ, is our great Shepherd. Uh, the uh, study has uh, just brought into such great focus for us: loving, care, significance of your grace and your mercy to us as our Shepherd and utility of our uh, sheep so easy for us to look at it from our perspective as we heard that does remind us in so many ways the responsibilities that you have entrusted divine appointment in church uh, leaders examples that Christ has laid out even as we studied from his own disciples and Lord uh, great great privilege that we have to be under shepherd with under shepherds uh, at our church here uh, we also see the responsibilities that comes for us to recognize that it's a divine appointment for our leaders so mm. we pray for them mm. uh, we acknowledge uh, your sovereign hand and all in guiding and we pray for wisdom for them seek uh, from you uh, to make decisions and uh, our responsibilities uh, submissive to that. Thank you for this study. And even as we continue with it um, and focus next week, Lord, helps us uh, that much more to um, see your intervention, our own personal lives, um, bringing us even closer to closer to body and um, structure that you've laid out. So we thank you. We thank you for this study. That, um forward to continue for your spirit, as always, will just impress upon us that we would be have a compulsion of our hearts to desire to 
please you and to be obedient to you in your work. Give thanks and praise and commit this day forward even to the time that's remaining this month that we even not, not tied to any special month of appreciation, but uh, that we would acknowledge our leaders in this church. Mm. And we give you thanks and praise in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. I will build on this next week. <laughs> Why did I think that I was so... Uh... <laughs>